So we'll start at Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Thanks, Sam. Uh, let me just start this. Currently looking at my chin, but uh, now you're looking at my nose. That's much better. Um, thanks for reading that, Sam. Do keep that passage open. Uh, we're going to look through it together. So let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, in it you reveal yourself to us. And by your spirit, we thank you that you convict us, you show us our sin before you, and you show us our need for a saviour in the Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you offer him to us freely. And as we look forward to Easter, we remember that Jesus walked uh, the road to the cross to die a death before you to take our judgment and punishment that we deserve and freely offers us his life and inheritance if we tr uh, truly believe and repent before him. So we give you great thanks for that truth. Give us faith to believe if we don't, and speak to us all now through your word we pray. Amen. Uh, well, uh, we were looking in our home group uh, at last week's passage, which was the end of chapter 5, uh, and uh, in it we are called to live by the Spirit, uh, and we thought about, the, uh, as we did in the sermon last week, that that really means two things. It means we need to crucify the flesh, we need to crucify our sin, um, that is the way to walk once we are saved, and it also means we need to keep in step with the Spirit. So we look to him and his word to see how we are to live, and we want to live for him. And uh, the last question, if you followed the question notes in your own home groups, um, asked, how are we going to help one another do that? How are, we, how are we going to help each other uh, crucify our sins and keep in step with the Spirit according to God's word? And we quickly acknowledged uh, that it can be hard to share with each other our struggles and our sins because we're worried that people will judge us or, or look down on us. 
Uh, or perhaps we're just embarrassed about our sin and the things we struggle with in, a Christian, in our Christian faith. So how do we help each other with our sin uh, whilst not ignoring sin as if it doesn't matter? And that seems to be the theme of the passage today. It's, it's almost as if Paul sat in our home group, heard our problems and said, here's some answers. Um, you'll be... I don't know if you'll be pleased to know or not. There's six points today, I know. It's meant to be three, but think of it this way. If there's six, each one's much shorter than normal, so uh, you will get through them. Uh, So uh, let's just walk through these verses together. So number one, uh, understanding ourselves so we can love each other. Have a look at verse 26 of chapter 5, which is where we're starting today. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Uh, conceited means to sort of think of yourselves, uh, yourself more highly than you ought, uh, to be sort of arrogantly proud. Uh, and all along, Paul has been reminded the Galatians and us as we've been going through Galatians that our salvation, being right with God, does not rely on our acts, as if we can do enough good things and tick the boxes and God will go, well done, you're such a good, wonderful person. No, it relies purely, because we're not able to do that perfectly before God, it relies purely on the work and the acts of the Lord Jesus. We call it grace. Uh, Paul says we need, we, it is by faith alone, in Christ alone, earlier on in Galatians. So in other words, it's God's work to save, not ours. And there's no better news than that, is there? That's been his point all the way through. If you deny anything of Christ, you actually condemn yourself. Our only hope is Jesus, and it's a free gift. Repent and believe in him. Uh, And if getting that right was up to us, we'd be in trouble. We'd fall a long way short. No, it's through faith, repentance and belief in Jesus Uh, And as we know, it's Palm Sunday, Jesus is on his way in the uh, Christian calendar, if you like, to the cross. The place where he will die and take our sin and our judgment before God so that we may be free. He gives us his life in return. That is where it all begins. But once we're saved, as we saw last week, if we now believe that, we are now called to live how we've been made. We've been made to be like Christ in God's sight through him. Now, until Christ returns, we need to work on that in our own lives. We need to crucify the flesh, our sin, and keep in step with the Spirit by being obedient to his word. And as we saw last week, seeking the fruit of the Spirit uh, in our characters. Why do I remind us of all of this? Because that's the context in which Paul now says, don't be conceited. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Before God, you are nothing. You're worthy of death and judgment before God. And yet, if we have faith in Christ alone, he has shown us mercy. So how can you be contented? How can you think that highly of yourselves before other people when actually God has laid his own son on the cross for us? Uh, and so he gives this, this little test to see whether we are conceited. Uh, perhaps we can run it now. He says the most obvious signs of being conceited, uh, of thinking too highly of yourselves, is that you want to provoke other people or you want to envy other people. That's what he says in that verse. 
Uh, so a conceited person thinks that they are sort of above other people in the church, in the church family. And we want people to know that, don't we? We're going to provoke a little bit. We're going to niggle away and moan. Uh, we're going to undermine. We're going to put up the odd stumbling block. We're going to perhaps even cause others to sin in their sort of bad reactions of, of, to us, just to you know, make it clear that we're a bit better than them. We're going to perhaps create unnecessary divisions, uh, perhaps to gain our own following, because we're quite important. Uh, this is exactly what's happening in Galatia, isn't it? Uh, we tell our friends, oh, well, I, you know, I wouldn't expect much more from them, would you? You know what they're like, really. They're not really that very good at being Christians. You know how they are. We want other people to see that we're superior. We're conceited. We wouldn't use that word. And or, says Paul, a conceited person not only provokes other people, but they may also find themselves envious of other people all the time. Because our life is all about me, isn't it? Uh, So we're envious of those who have perhaps a higher position in the church or at our lack of uh, position. Or when others think of someone that we're not such good fans of, they think of them quite highly. We're envious. How could they think of them like that when I'm like me? Well, yeah, you don't want to be like me. I didn't think that would be a risk. Uh, These are ways, says Paul, to fulfill the law of God. And it's to love our neighbours as ourselves. So he says, don't be conceited, don't provoke, don't be envious. Because we're to fulfil the law of God, which is to love our neighbour as ourselves. And if we're doing that, if we're provoking others, if we're envious, if we have this wrong opinion of ourselves, then we're thinking too highly of ourselves, he says. Remember where we come. We have to read back into uh, the the end of chapter 5 to remind ourselves of that. But here he says in the next verse, chapter 6, verse 1, here is the way to love each other and fulfill the law of God, to be more like Christ. Verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, so now you're not conceited, you're not provoking, you're not envious, this is what you do. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. It is telling, isn't it, that our, Paul has spent most of his letter warning the Galatians not to slip away from Jesus, not to sin, that his application right towards the end of the letter to the church family is to rally around those who are sinning and to love them back into a right relationship with God. He doesn't say, well, when you see someone sinning, close ranks, send in a drone strike. Wipe that person out, have nothing to do with them. No, we're to send in a covert team of patient, gentle, calm experts to remind them what they're risking if they're turning their backs on Christ. Warn them, woo them back to Jesus, he says. Why? Well, we can do it because we're not conceited anymore, because we understand our position before God. And that's why he's careful to say that when you restore someone to, from their sin, uh, don't be tempted to fall into the same thing. That's a real risk. In other words, understand that we are weak just as the person we're hoping to restore is weak. 
Uh, So perhaps if their sin is destructive gossip, how easy would it be for a friend in trying to restore them to end up joining in with the gossip? Or perhaps if it's uh, lust, how easy would it be for a friend to realise they too could perhaps get away with being lustful in secrecy? Restore each other gently and carefully, he says. No one's superior to anyone else in this church family. No one is better than any other. All are tempted to sin. So he says, don't be superior. Don't be conceited. Know who you are. Understand yourself before God so that you can gently restore one another from each other's sin. Uh, The next couple of verses say and make a very uh, similar point, but it's interesting how he phrases it. So have a look at verse 2 and 3. Uh, He says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So the principle about not being conceited, not thinking you're something when you're not, still applies here as he gets on into the rest of this chapter. And if we get that right, we will view others rightly, he says. We'll be able to restore them gently from sin, and now we'll be able to carry one another's burdens. Literally, they're they're heavy packs. Uh, But he doesn't just say carry each other's packs, because that makes life easier for everyone. He says... Carry each other's burdens because that is how you fulfill the law of Christ. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? When we carry one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. In other words, when we compare that verse with Galatians 5.14, just have a look back there, and he says this, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Here he doesn't say burdens. He says, love your neighbour as yourself and so when you put those two verses together you get our second point and this and simply that to love one another is to carry one another's burdens do you see that the way we love one another is to carry one another's burdens Uh, paul's not specific about what burdens might look like here Uh, But we don't need to use our imagination too much, do we, to know that one another need their burdens sharing. Life is difficult. There's temptations and and sins. They're realities. There's also trials and hardships outside of our control. They're unavoidable. And most people in this world face, face those sort of things alone. And they face the consequences alone. They even face God alone on Judgment Day because they haven't responded to the Gospel with no Jesus as a mediator and a saviour before them. No one to take the entire burden off them before God at least. But for the believer, for the Christian family, it ought to be different. Because Jesus has taken our burden of sin before God entirely, and so now, in response, we can carry each other's burdens in the realities of life. And in that way, fulfil the law of Christ. We love one another. Now some people do this really easily, don't they? So easily it can be annoying that people are so good at just getting alongside people and uh, supporting them. If you're that person, you wouldn't be annoyed by that sort of person. (laughs) You know, they always get involved with people and their struggles. They they walk alongside, they they carry one another's burdens. But to be fair to those people, of which I'm not, I have to work hard. 
I don't think it's easy to be like that at all. They may look natural at it, but to lie awake at night concerned and mulling over someone else's problems is, is not easy. To walk alongside someone who's uh, facing a terminal illness or whose child is unwell, that's not easy. To listen to someone really struggling in their faith, perhaps who's even uh, being dismissive or rude about the Lord Jesus because they're they're so involved in what's going on in their lives, that's not easy. Perhaps to take someone else's emotional abuse towards you just because they're they're really struggling with mental health, that's, that's not easy. None of that is easy. Just some of us choose to do that more than others. Some of us are more prepared to love one another than others. Those sort of people that live like that and carry our burdens, they don't think too highly of themselves, do they? They see what Jesus has done for them in their life, and so they're able to gently restore They're able to pick up some of the burdens of their brother or sister in Christ and walk alongside them carrying it. Uh, If, if, like me, you really struggle with uh, compassion and carrying each other's burdens, then perhaps we think too highly of ourselves. Perhaps we need to remember the horrid sin that we have been forgiven of in Christ and then see that we too can sacrifice much and carry the burden of others, to love others as we'd like to be loved ourselves. And this is important, says Paul, uh, moving on to our third point, because while we carry each other's burdens, uh, and, and that's the thing we are meant to do, there is one burden that we can't share. That's what he goes on to in verse 4 and 5. These verses initially are quite hard to make sense of, I think. Uh, But if we imagine verse 6 is in brackets, it's like a secondary thought that pops in his head. We'll come back to it. And then continue into verse 7. I I think it makes a bit more sense. I'll tell you why I'm doing that in a minute. So have a look at Galatians 4 and 5. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to, one, to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So there's one load, one burden we can't carry uh, a share. Sorry. And then verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So in other words, another motivation for carrying one another's burdens is to know that by our actions, by our fruit, by the way in which we respond to the grace shown us by the Lord Jesus, by our carrying of one another's burdens, we'll be judged before God in in terms of reward. Not judged to hell or judged to heaven, that's a free gift in Christ. But God cannot be mocked. We can't say to him, oh, well, you know, I wasn't as bad as such and such, can't I, you know? No, we should test our own actions, says Paul. We should take pride in ourselves alone. He's not saying we should be proud about ourselves. He's saying, don't judge and compare yourselves to others, as he says in the next next part of that sentence. And this is to carry your own load. It's a different word to burden, so he does distinguish between those words in the original. But it's, we're to carry our own load before God. He is the one to whom we have our attention given. 
He will not be mocked. Uh, perhaps think of it this way. Our motivation to love others in carrying their burdens is based on how closely we resemble to seek and model the Lord Jesus and the burdens he's carried for us. Not based on how we think we stack up against each other. And God sees our hearts and our actions. God's watching is all he's saying. He sees us receive the grace of Jesus. And he loves to see us respond by being like Jesus. Uh, Envy, pride, provoking. Well, that's gone, he says. What's arrived? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we stand before God, justified in Jesus alone, we are assessed as faithful servants who have uh, strived to keep in step with the Spirit. Strive to have the fruit of obedience. Who have strived to carry one another's burdens. That is the way we please and honour our Lord God, says Paul. It doesn't save us, that's Jesus' work, through repentance and belief. But that is what he wants to see in our lives in response. Not a backbiting, self-elevating, freeloaders upon the grace of Jesus. We have our own load to carry before God. Assess yourselves, he says. Think about the way you live. Is it in line with the Spirit? Are we motivated again to turn to the Lord Jesus? And when we get it wrong, to repent of our sin again and strive all the more to love our neighbours because of all the grace we've been given by him? Or do we just want to think too highly of ourselves, he asks. And so says Paul, if you have faith and know who you are before God, get on with loving one another. Carry each other's burdens. Be, Be the family we've been created to be. Or to put it another way, our fourth point, sow the right sort of seed. Have a look at verse 8. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Uh, If you were here last week, I gave a quote from John Stott. Uh, So here's another one. He summarizes these verses uh, so well that I thought I'd just read it to you. It's on the screen as well. This is a vitally important and much-neglected principle of holiness. We are not the helpless victims of our nature, temperament, and environment. On the contrary, what we become depends largely on how we behave. Our character is shaped by our conduct. So according to Galatians 5, as we thought about last week, the Christian's duty is to walk by the Spirit. According to Galatians 6, to sow to the Spirit. Thus the Holy Spirit is likened both to the path along which we walk and to the field in which we sow. How can we expect to reap the fruit of the Spirit if we do not sow in the field of the Spirit? The old adage is true. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. This is good biblical teaching. It's obvious, isn't it? If we with our lives desire and seek to sow in line with the Spirit, 
to be obedient to God's word, to follow and trust the Lord Jesus, not for salvation, but because we've been saved, well then, we will sow eternity with Christ. And so says Paul, verse 9. Uh, Martin, do you mind just letting this chap in? I think he's trying to... <laughs> uh, and so he says, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. It's a good statement, isn't it? For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Enough said. Uh, we skipped over verse 6, so let me uh, cover that. This is one of my all-time favourite sermon points. I hope you're ready. You're not going to like it as much as me. Pay your Bible teachers. There we go. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 6. Uh, I told you it was a, an odd verse to stick in here. Um, no one's quite sure why it's there, but let's cover it. Uh, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all go- good things with their instructor. In other words, the one who is taught, the, wo- the word here is catechized, so meaning to be given instruction verbally, should share all good things with the one who teaches them. Uh, In Galatia, it was most likely that they had Christian teachers who would would explain God's word uh, and bring the teachings of the apostles, uh, which would be our modern-day New Testament, uh, and and bring it to bear, apply it to their culture and their situation. Uh, The simple application today, uh, as it's commanded in various places in the New Testament, is that we should, should pay our Bible teachers. We should share with them all good things because they are giving to us what we need. And you do, by the way, thank you. This, is not a, this part of the sermon is not a rebuke. Uh, what's slightly odd about that is why Paul drops it in here amongst carrying each other's burdens and carrying our own load before God by humbling ourselves and knowing who we are. Uh, no one's, as I said, quite sure uh, why he puts it in here. Perhaps the thought of being personally responsible uh, for your love towards others before God might mean that some people in the congregation, the church family, think, well, the pastor should do the same and look to God for his payment. Uh, or perhaps Paul is pointing out that had they have paid and cared and shared with their Christian uh, Bible teachers, then perhaps those teachers would have had enough time to correct them from the errors of which they're going down. Uh, they'd have been able to refute the false teachings of the circumcision party, for example. And so perhaps the church are failing by not carrying the burdens of everyone within their family, including uh, the pastor, the Bible teacher, then in a sense they've elevated themselves, haven't they? Well, I'm I'm not sure we need him, do we? I know what you're thinking, it's all right. Perhaps they've got an undervalued view of the pastor and an overvalued view of themselves. Uh, Now for us, uh, it's a reminder, isn't it, that being part of a loving church family is to pay and care for our pastors and church workers properly as well. Uh, So one, they can be freed from sort of financial worry and secondary work wherever possible so that they can teach the Bible faithfully. And two, it's a way to love them, to love your neighbour as yourself, to honour God by fulfilling the law of God. Now I've said already, we do pay our staff here at Grace Church, myself included, believe it or not, uh, a a salary that I think is uh, more than acceptable. But that doesn't mean there's not an application for each of us as well, including myself. 
So if you're not giving generously, if you're, if you're a member of this church, you're coming along regularly, you, you believe yourself to be a Christian, uh, and you're not giving, then you're not being faithful to loving your pastor or your church family, for that matter. You're undermining the value of you and your children being taught God's word. Perhaps that's a superiority issue. Uh, you just think, you know, they couldn't get a proper job, so I'm not really going to pay them to do this dossy one. I don't, or I, I don't need them. Or it's just such an easy job. I, I, I don't think they really... Or perhaps it's out of envy. I, I, I don't know. Perhaps there's other reasons. That's all between you and God. But let me encourage you. We give not out of uh, comparing ourselves to one another or according to what we might uh, find or get in response, but we give based on how we judge the generosity of God towards us. That's Paul's bigger point in this whole section. We carry one another's burdens, not based on what we think of them or think of ourselves, but based on the generosity God has given us and the burdens he's taken from us. Uh, We are hoping to do a church plant in the next uh, year, and so we will need more money. We'll need to employ a planter. We'll we'll want to pay them. Uh, We'll we'll lose some people from our congregations to go to the plant, and therefore there will be some more financial sacrifices to be made. And so Paul just says, in in loving one another and carrying each other's burdens, don't forget to share all good things with the church family, and particularly those who are teaching God's word. So, now, I don't want to end the sermon with telling you that you should be paying my salary. That's a slightly awkward point, uh, to say the least. We don't often talk about money, but when it comes up, we should. Um, so I'm gonna end. I've left the last verse for us now. Uh, our sixth point, love your church family. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 6. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, he says, based on everything he said uh, in chapter 5 and 6 so far, based on that, you're to sow seeds in your life that please God the Holy Spirit, not yourselves. And that looks like doing good to all people, and especially the family of believers. In other words, we have a, I don't think he means we ignore non-believers. It's not what the Bible teaches at all. Quite the opposite. But we do have a special responsibility towards one another to love and carry each other's burdens. Because we understand who we are before God. We understand his grace to us in the Lord Jesus. Uh, The world will fall out over all sorts of things. They'll fight between each other. There's no need in the world to have reconciliation. It doesn't matter. We can just cast people off. If it doesn't serve my agenda, it doesn't really matter. But in the family of God, in the church, it does serve our agenda because it serves the Lord Jesus' agenda to love one another, to love our neighbour as ourselves, to be, because we want to be like Jesus. The Lord Jesus, who on the first Palm Sunday began that sacrificial walk to the cross, as we said at the beginning, to take the burden of our sin on the cross, not because we're worthy, but because we are unworthy. And Paul just says, treat each other as you have been treated by Jesus. 
Let me finish with uh, a a verse from 1 John chapter 4. It's on the screen. This is love, he says. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Isn't that a great reminder? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us. You loved us while we were still dead in our sin, rebellious towards you. You gave us your Son, the Lord Jesus, who walked the road to the cross, who died a painful death and faced your wrath and judgment in our place. If we don't believe that today, open our hearts, give us this free gift of grace. Forgive us. Give us new life that we may live and serve you. For those of us that do believe, we give you great thanks that we now have new life in the Lord Jesus, that we've received all the love and all the burdens removed from us. Help us to remember your love as we seek to love our neighbours as ourselves. Help us not to be conceited. Help us not to be superior or even feel inferior, but just simply love each other for we've all been forgiven freely by your grace. Help us to see the Lord Jesus before us and the love he gave us, so that we may be motivated to do good and love one another, to carry each other's burdens, so that we may fulfil the law of Christ and so bring more glory to your name. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.